So, Chris, why are you doing a podcast about a show that premiered 30 years ago and only lasted four seasons? And by the way, most fans of the show like to pretend season four didn't even exist for obvious reasons. In the fall of 1994, I was entering my senior year in high school. I grew up on Long Island, New York, right outside of New York City. And while I was initially intrigued by New York Undercover, I wasn't really glued to the show week to week. Until the tail end of season one, when Ice-T's Danny Court character started to wreak havoc on the lives of our detectives. And, of course, the shocking events of the season one finale when JC gets stabbed. Fall of 1995, I can recall sitting in my college dorm lounge with friends, screaming at the television as Williams killed off Danny Court in season two. I can remember the summer of 96 and reading about Yoba and DeLorenzo failing to report to work for the start of season three, and Dick Wolf threatening to replace them with new actors. And remember when Bo and Luke Duke got replaced in the Dukes of Hazard? Thought that was going to happen here, too. And finally, I remember me being shocked when they blew up Eddie's car at the end of season three, killing off DeLorenzo's character. I love this show. I love the brotherhood between the detectives how they have each other's back, and I love the relationship that JC has with G. Now let's get into the podcast. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris Rose, and welcome to New York Undercover Rewind, the podcast that discusses all things related to the television series, New York Undercover. And as always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And don't forget to check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at NYUndercoverTV. And send me an email with your thoughts to NewYorkUndercoverRewind at gmail.com. Episode 6 of Season 1 is entitled After Shakespeare and premiered on Thursday, October 13th, 1994. The episode description reads, A real estate developer is suspected of fueling gang tensions to lower property values. Eddie tries to repair his relationship with his dad. The episode is directed by Bill Corcoran and written by Angel Dean Lopez and Nani De La Pena. The cold open is set to the sounds of rapper Billy Lawrence's Forgive Me Baby. The song was released by East West Records in 1994 on her album One Might Say. Does anybody know Billy Lawrence? I haven't heard much about her since then. Anyway, in the open, we see a young African-American man cross the rooftops of Harlem and climb through the fire escape into his lady's apartment where they make love. The woman, played by Judy Reyes of Scrubs and Claws fame, gives her sleeping lover a kiss and leaves the apartment for a while, at which point an unknown man arrives at the fire escape and fires a bullet into the sleeping man, killing him and dropping the gun. Reyes' character arrives back to the apartment and finds him dead. Fade to black. Act 1 opens with Eddie's dad calling. He tells JC it's nice that they're able to reconnect. But JC starts to clown him and says, Cape bueno, you get to live with your papi, dance salsa, eat some rice and beans. Hector's arrived at the murder scene and interviewed Judy Reyes' character, Helena. She tells him she was in love with the dead lover, Wilson Edwards, but had to keep it a secret because her family is part of a gang, Los Huerpanos, warring with a rival gang that doesn't love him. They also interview. They also interview her brother, Hector, played by Vincent Laresca. Now, Laresca appeared in the movie Juice in 1992. Hector tells them she has a boyfriend and would never cheat on him. 
In addition, the street vendor across the street says Helena is a respected community leader and that he saw someone climb out of the apartment and across the roof. Despite this, Lieutenant Cooper says Helena is the main suspect since so she was found with a murder weapon and has probable cause. After a tender breakfast scene at the apartment with his pops, Eddie joins JC in interviewing a member of the Dozen Love crew, Quentin Moranis. He is played by Lawrence Gilliard, who you may know as D'Angelo Barksdale from The Wire or Bob Stuckey from The Walking Dead. He denies he and his crew had anything to do with Wilson's murder and refers to Ray as his character as a Puerto Rican bitch. JC tells him if anything happens to Los Urbanos, the Dozen Love crew will have a problem with him. The detectives follow up with Hector and then after a brief chase find a 45 caliber gun on him, the same model of gun that killed Wilson. On the street, Helena is confronted by her former boyfriend, Armando, played by Yancy Arias. You'd recognize, you'd recognize Arias from a number of roles, including Bosch and Queen of the South. She tells him that she doesn't love him anymore, but that she didn't give him up to the cops. She's assuming he's the one who killed Wilson, but he denies being involved as well. The detectives attend the community meeting to get info about the shooting. And they get info from a community leader played by Phyllis Yvonne Sticky that they should check out a vacant lot under the West Side Highway at 125th Street. Over Black Moon's Buckham Down, we see a montage of the members of the Dozen Love crew firing off weapons in an abandoned warehouse. Fade to Black. Act 2 opens with the detectives meeting with Cooper and realizing the case is not just about the murder. They have to figure out where all these weapons are coming from. JC and Eddie meet up with Armando to question him some more, but he denies being involved with the murder. The Dozen Love crew meets up with their gun distributor, Eddie Dodge, who provide them with guns. He's played by the late actor Brian Tarantina, who's probably best known for playing Jackie in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. The crew rolls up on Los Huerfanos' territory and shoots Hector dead. Williams and Torres arrive and Williams yells at the witnesses on the street, imploring for someone to say or do something. Helen arrives at the scene, weeping over her dead brother's body and tells them the guns are being brought in by Eddie Dodge. Williams and Torres head to Times Square to find Dodge and set to the sounds of 69 boys, Tootsie Roll! Williams finds Dodge in a seedy, X-rated joint and chases him across the rooftops, where he captures him. Fade the Act 3 opens back at the station house with Cooper and the detectives interviewing Dodge. And his Dodge tells them he works for a guy who gives him guns for free, as long as he sells them north of 96th Street. In return, the boss, Clark Redman, gets the old people to move out, allowing them to buy the block for cheap. The cops agree to wire Dodge when he meets with Redman. Meanwhile, Eddie has plans to cook dinner for his lady, Gina, but is surprised to come home and see her dancing with his father. Basically, he's getting cock by his dad. The next scene is set in the meatpacking district of Manhattan with Dodge meeting with an assistant of Redmond's, Kinsley, played by Enrico Calantoni of Veronica Mars and Just Shoot Me fame. On tape, Kinsley claims that Dodge killed Wilson Edwards, which surprises the detectives. They tell Dodge that if they get a solid bust in Redmond and they get info on who killed Hector, they might talk to the DA to get him off on lesser charges. He tells them they will never get 
The shady real estate developer, Clark Redman, is played by the late, great Mark Magolis of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fame. Remember Uncle Tio and Hector Salamanca from those shows? Yep, that's Margolis here. The detectives confront him after a speech and inquire how and why the guns that were stolen from a warehouse that he owns ended up in the shootings that killed Hector and Wilson. He denies everything and they tell him to watch his back. Redmond tells his assistant Kinseling to handle it. Kinseling meets up with Quentin Moratis from the Dozen Love crew and offers him a wad of cash and tells him he is replacing Dodge and to take out Armando, the head of Los Horfanos. Fade the blue. The final act opens at Natalie's with Eddie watching his dad play the sax on stage while Gina is watching him from her seat. Natalie, played by Gladys Knight, remarks that Eddie's dad has never sounded better. But Eddie is a bit jealous that Gina's attention is focused on his dad and not him, and he leaves. Back at the station house, Helena brings in one of her students, who says she saw some guns at her friend Lisa's place, and that the guns belong to her older brother, Quentin Moranis, and that she heard him say something about getting payback on Armando. Very convenient. Both detectives follow Quentin and Armando to a warehouse where they both point guns at each other in a tense standoff before Williams and Torres convince them to drop the guns. Later, the detectives arrest Kinseling for his involvement in the murder of Wilson Edwards, and they also tell Redmond they are coming after him next. Eddie returns to Natalie's and makes amends with his pops and apologizing for not trusting him more. Eddie and Gina kiss and make up with Gladys Knight's Natalie performing I Don't Wanna Know on stage. The very final scene of this episode features Williams and Taurus on the stoop, chatting with Helena and discussing ways they can keep the peace on the block. She also asks them to visit her school to talk to her kids because, quote, if two clowns like you can get along, they can, end quote. Fade to black. End of episode. I give this episode a B. The show does an excellent job of highlighting different parts of the city from uptown in Harlem to the meatpacking district and the West Side Highway, to the Twin Towers, World Trade Center area in Lower Manhattan. Much like the Dumbo discussion in our last episode, it's also interesting to see how much these neighborhoods have changed since the episode was filmed nearly 30 years ago. The episode also features a host of acting talent who would later go on to find success in other popular TV series. My quibble of the week is Helena's student, who just happened to be at her friend's house and just happened to see the friend's brother and the guns and he just happened to mention something about payback against Armando. Feels like every episode something happens that is a little too convenient to make the case come together. Now a quick note on Gladys Knight. This was her last appearance on New York Undercover as Natalie and you know despite leaving this show she did have her music career to fall back on. She has won seven Grammy Awards. She is an inductee in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and has recorded two number one Billboard Hot 100 singles, Midnight Train to Georgia, and That's What Friends Are For, which she recorded with Dionne Warwick, Stevie Wonder, and Sir Elton John. You know, and a final note on 69 Boys is Tootsie Roll. That song sold 1 million copies and went platinum after being released in May of 1994. I'm Chris Rose. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And don't forget to check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at NY Undercover TV. 
send me an email at newyorkundercoverrewind at gmail.com. Thank <laughs> you.